Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. He's alive. Wow, God is good. God is good. I am so honored to be with you today, worshiping the risen Savior. God is alive. He did not allow his son to stay on the cross or in the tomb. He's alive. And because of that, we have hope. And that is an awesome thing to be grateful for. Well, do me a favor, and we have a lot of new faces possibly in the room today. Would you do me a favor and turn around and high-five, handshake, hug, whatever, uh, someone that you might not know as you're seated today? Just allow the family to be there. It is so good to have you all here this morning here at Calvary. We're just already having a great day. I've already seen three people walking around here today that I've had to tell them, hey, you've got some Krispy Kreme residue right here or whatever. So yeah, just know that, just embrace it. It's all calorie free today. That's not true. We're so excited that you're here. Did you enjoy coming in today with just kind of some new look and feel and and just some reception there? That's good. You like how I set that up right before we talk about offering. So there we go. It was, no, it's just so exciting to see um, what God is doing here at Calvary Church. It's just been an exciting season, honestly, just to see life and to see just, it's, it's a rebirth. It's a re, recalibration of here's what God is doing in the triad. And I'm just excited to be a part of a group of people that just are really serious about, um, about God's purpose for their life. And that, that's, a, that's an energizing place to be. I, would be. I would rather be no other place than right here today. And there's a reason why we're wearing t-shirts today, because that's, that's what we feel. Welcome home. Some of you, this is uh, the first time you've been here in a long time, and we just want to say welcome home. It's, uh, it's a joy that you would come and hang out with us. I know grandma, grandpa, or mom, or dad, aunt, or uncle may have you know, begged you to come today, but that's all right. God set you up, and we've just been planning for you to be here, and we're excited that you're here as well. This whole weekend has been a great weekend. Yesterday, if you were here um, at the uh, Egg Stravaganza, shout at me, yell at me right now if you were here. Yeah, and those, those yells are a little bit um, impacted by the amount of bacon that was consumed yesterday. If you didn't, if weren't here, there was some food trucks out there. I just want you to know I did my part. I blessed the economy there and hit every one of those food trucks, and they were all worth every amount of 50 bucks. I think I spent, anyway, I don't know what it was. A lot of, a lot of food. We had a great time. And as I've said so many times, you've heard me say it, but it goes without saying sometimes, but sometimes we need to say it and say, Hey, thank you. And that is our pastoral staff and leadership team, especially yesterday. Um, just so you know, yesterday, pastor Sherry was kind of in charge of that show today. Pastor G and the team, pastor Scott and everybody on the logistics, they've just done a tremendous job welcoming a lot of people. I think it would be awesome to say thank you to them. So we've just been experiencing God do some great things in the last couple weeks at Calvary and and what we have said for many weeks and will continue to say because I believe God is honored when we recognize that our worship of him is not just in corporate singing. Our worship of God is every day of the week. Our worship is in our lives and our work and our worship also involves us worshiping the Lord in our giving. And our worship involves us recognizing the biblical principle that says we return to the Lord his tithes, that first fruit, those first 10%, and we bring to the Lord our offerings. And so today we just take a time, as we do every week, to just continue in our worship, and that's to return to the Lord his tithes and bring to him our offering. Two weeks ago, 
we launched um, uh, just a, a pretty significant um, transformational type direction vision for how we impact the community and around us and how we are all called to be, this word is kingdom builders. And you remember us um, talking a little bit about that. We did a whole uh, message about this idea of being kingdom builders, and we are just continuing to celebrate what God is doing in that vision and how that he is calling us all to be kingdom builders. In fact, we said it last um, two weeks ago, I think it was, when we talked about this, about this idea that our influence is local, it's global, and it's future. And then in a few weeks, May 15th, we're going to celebrate that we believe between now and then God's going to allow us to invest in his kingdom, uh, a seed type offering to really get this idea of initiative of kingdom builders off the ground. And if you were here last week, you remember that we celebrated and had a little fun. And it was exciting. Uh, Pastor Tom was here to represent Global University, and we invested in that ministry uh, that is training pastors and leaders all over the world. That was exciting. So when we talk about worshiping the Lord and our, our giving, it's not just so that God can bless here. It's so that God can bless the kingdom, and we can be involved in this idea of furthering his kingdom. And so last week, we did that as it relates to Global University. We've talked about May 15th. It's a big day. But today's a big day too. And I just didn't want to wait till May 15th. So we just decided, and Pastor Tom and I, we've been talking about this. We have, we've just, we're just having fun. Can you, can you understand? Can you see the excitement? I mean, it's like, this is, it's cool. It's kind of like a talk show that we're like, everybody gets a car. No, no, we're not going to do that. And you're like, sweet. This is the best Easter service ever. But there is a ministry today that through your worshiping the Lord in your giving and being faithful saying, God, what do you want to do through me? Then Calvary Church is able to be the vessel for that, to be a blessing to ministries um, all over our area. And today we would like to focus on a particular ministry, and that's one that's very significant to this house. And ladies, I'd expect you to just like woot and holler when this, uh, yeah, there you go, okay, there you go. How's that for manufactured applause and response, right? Well, last week we talked about Global University, and this week we, uh, we counted a privilege to partner together with a ministry called Tabitha House, and it's a ministry that, like, it, like the say, uh, sign says, provides help, hope, and home for hurting women. And quite honestly, I'm so excited. I love sitting right here on second service because you can't help but be energized when the worship is coming from behind. It's just like whatever. And I get it. We all have stories. We all have the, the, the tropes of grace type mentality in our life. I get it. And I understand. But I'm telling you, God is using this ministry to, to raise up a generation of, of women warriors that would be kingdom builders themselves. And so we're partnering together with them. And so I would be honored, Keith Wagner, would you uh, join me on the platform here today? Um, I am so pleased to have you as a part of our church family here for so many years. We talked earlier this morning, more years than I've been here, but in the last couple of years, I've had, or just um, in the last couple of months, I should say, had an opportunity to meet and be a part of just uh, seeing what God's doing. Keith, I know it's been a been a tough year. And, uh, I know that today you would much rather, um, much rather have your bride here standing with you. And I know the, the women as well. And I, we hurt with you and we pray with you. Um, but I know that the, the vision that God called both you and Cindy to, to, to reach out to women that are hurting lives on. It goes beyond her life or yours. And to see that is, is really an incredibly cool thing. And Calvary Church, we would just love to be a, a further partner in that. And I know that you have dreams and visions in the board there to, to expand this ministry. And we want to invest some seed in that. So I would love on behalf of Calvary Church to present this check from you to the ministry here of $15,000 to Tabitha House. I love you. I love you. Love you. Awesome. Blessing. Awesome. When we, when we talk about worshiping the Lord and our giving, we, we are, are talking about having a part 
of building his kingdom, and it really does make a difference. Let yesterday, I got a, uh, there was a message that came across on one of the social media posts about the Smith Homes outreach that one of the, 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 the attendees there that come all the time had a testimony of, of a tumor that was in the, her stomach and that, that we had been there and heard this story yesterday, got a report that after praying for this, this tumor, they went to the doctor, tumor's gone, it's gone. So that's awesome. God is doing some amazing things here at Calvary. Next week, you want to be here. We're going to have a baptismal service just to celebrate so many different trophies of God's uh, hand at work and life change here. And uh, you want to uh, make yourselves available to that. There's information at the information tents out front. You can get more information there. I'm, I'm honored today, before we get into the word, uh, just to understand that so much of the ministry of Calvary Church is, has been built for many, many years the legacy of faithful leadership. Many of you in this room today have uh, just incredible stories of God using you to, to build this ministry here, but to have a global impact all over the world. And that's, that's exciting. Much of that, that impact has been because of the leadership of our former pastors here. And uh, I would be remiss, and you as a Calvary Church family, we all understand that sometimes when you uh, see God doing some things, it's really appropriate to stand and realize there was a foundation built for many, many years through Pastors David and Sherry Crabtree that are here with us today with their family. Pastors David and Sherry, would you stand and let this church just recognize you and say thank you. We love you guys. It's, uh, it's been a fun journey. Uh, this, this whole uh, process of, of baton pass and all that. I guess, can I just kind of just pull the curtain back a little bit? We actually really like each other and we have fun. And every time I am driving down the road and the little caller ID comes up of this avatar of this cute little bald head, David Crabtree <laughs> pops up. It just, it's fun. And uh, every so often, just the call, in fact, you know, just, we have a lot of fun together. So Pastors David, Sherry, your dear friends, thank you for being here. Your family's awesome. We love them. The son of, son-in-law of yours, Philip, I'm not so sure about yet, but we'll <laughs> figure him out. Well, the family of God is fun. And if you're, you're visiting with us today, you, you've come to a really great place. So let's jump into the word today and uh, just uh, see what God has to say with us uh, from his word. I recognize the significance of this day. I recognize that so many of you, maybe this is the first time that you've come back in a long time. You're checking it out. And I understand that. I get it. But can I tell you this? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will be here next week. And he'll be here tomorrow. And he'll be there for you tomorrow when you wake up. And although there is significance about a day that we celebrate as, as this day is, there is a consistency when you build your life upon this word that doesn't have to be... Um, just the, the, the fix from moment to moment and high point to high point, it can take you through the, the mundane of life. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these extraordinary everyday events, how that God walked with Jesus through those and he walks with us. And it culminates today in this idea of resurrection. And for many of you uh, that have grown in, in, in faith and understood the, the truth of Scripture, you understand that today is the day that in, in the Christian faith and in our belief of the Lord Jesus, that, that it's an incredible moment for us to celebrate the fact that he is not on the cross, that his body is not decaying in a tomb somewhere that we can go and memorialize a, a place where he is. But he is, a, he is risen, he is alive, and he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He is alive today, and that changes everything. It's true. And yet today is a significant day for us to, as the song just said and that we sang, I mean, I love the words of that song. I think it's an appropriate question for us to ask as it relates to our perspective of this idea of the cross in the tomb. And I believe God would want us to answer this question today. Do you see what I see? 
We sang the song a minute ago, do you see what I see? You see, perspective has, has a very important impact on how you see things, right? You understand that. Whether, whether you are on a platform like this, I can see the back row of the building here and I can make eye contact with all of you. But if I come down and my perspective changes, it becomes a little bit more challenging. If I sit down here, it becomes even more challenging. But our perspective, our viewpoint changes the way we see things. That seems like a very obvious understanding understanding, but when we, when we view historical events or even current events, can I tell you this, bring it real close to home, the information that we take in, i.e. news, social media, just different voices, podcasts, all those different things, they really do impact our perspective. You can tell a person's you know, political bent or theological uh, you know, persuasion. You can tell a lot about a person by what they take in. It changes their perspective. Season of life changes our perspective. How many of you remember your mom and dad saying, when you have kids, boy, you'll understand. And the eye rolls happened all the time. Oh, brothers, mom, you know, this kind of deal. And yet now, as some of you are young parents in the room, you're like, wow, that's real. You know, it's, it's an understanding of our perspective changing. As it relates to Easter, I'm so um, aware uh, of so many different things that the world takes biblical truths that are found in God's word and shifts the way that we see them. Easter is no, no, you know, different than that. You know, we, we, we celebrate the fact that the son of the living God lived on earth. He died on a cross. He was placed in a tomb. He's risen from the tomb. He's not there anymore. And here's the Easter bunny and chocolate eggs, right? Like, how did we get to, I don't even understand that. That just doesn't make sense to me. And yet our perspective, when the world sees Easter, it's all about Cadbury, bless God for that gift of the Lord, right? But our perspective changes everything. The truth of it is, is the reality that many of you may be here in the room or joining with us online, and this is it. This is, this is your one time a year. That, that you come and try to experience, maybe because family or some, some, some force there a little bit. But, but whatever the reason, that's okay, because I believe that in God's word today, we're going to see varying perspectives of the cross that should communicate to you wherever you find yourself viewing the cross today, there's a message of hope for you. And if this is your first time here, there is no guilt, shame, or whatever. All I can say is welcome home. And it's a great place to stay connected. And not just because here at Calvary, but the body of Christ, people that build his kingdom all over the world, it really is the hope of the world. And you should connect and stay connected because this is a family that'll love you through some pretty uh, tough times that you find yourself in. So when we come to this moment of the cross in Easter. The question is, do you see what I see? And the key thought for today is, is this, that the cross can look different from different perspectives. But how many of you are glad that those all change when you stand in an empty tomb? And the story of the book that God has written, the, the word of God says that there were people that saw physically, they were there, saw this man, Jesus, die on a cross, and they were confused and in, in, in a crazy state of mind. They thought things had all fallen apart until they stood in that empty tomb and they realized his body, it's not there. And we, we remember him saying something like this, but we thought this was just a story, a parable. Oh, no. It's real. He's, he's not here. He's gone. And everything changed from the perspective of an empty tomb. There's several groups of people that I want us to look at through the lens of their eyes answering this question, do you see what I see? First is this, the disciples. For those of you that are new to this story, the disciples is just a fun way to say it's the inner circle. It's the people that followed Jesus closely. They were devoted, committed followers. They walked with Jesus along the road. They saw him heal people. They saw him multiply bread and fishes and feed 5,000, 4,000 people. These people were committed. They were the ones 
ones, if anybody, should have understood and should have been for the duration of the story, like right there with him, all the way there, all in. They're like never doubting. They were there. They were the, the, the teacher's pets, so to speak. They were the ones that should have been very committed. And yet, as we probably can really identify with, there were so many of them that didn't quite have that perspective and they didn't quite have that response. One of them was this man named Peter that we see in, in the word of God, his story, John chapter 13, it says, Simon Peter asked in the moments before his crucifixion, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? You hear the kid from the back seat asking, but dad, you know, that I kind of feel that in this story. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. It's a pretty bold statement. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Can you imagine what Peter must have felt when he heard the man he had followed for so many years say those words to him? And yet the, the word goes on to say, meanwhile, Peter, after Jesus had been arrested and going through this torture and trial of the religious leaders, the Bible says that Peter followed him at a distance. It's an interesting phrase, followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Can you understand his perspective? Can you understand that he was really in this moment of, did I just waste the last several years of my life? I left everything to follow this man. And the end of this, this story comes and he's, he's at a distance and he's saying, how's this all going to end? And you have to understand that for Peter and the rest of the disciples, they were in a moment that if Jesus dies and if he is in their perspective proven to be some sort of hoax, some scam that nothing, that didn't pan out to be truth, their lives were in jeopardy. In fact, even after they, he, uh, rose from the grave, their lives were still in jeopardy, but their mindset that they were in at this moment was, this is really a transformational time. I'm going to sit back here and see what happened. In fact, if you read through the story of scripture, even at the moment of crucifixion, Jesus on the cross, there's a lot of people that we'll see here in a minute that were described as being close to the cross. Do you see what I see? They could see differently. And yet the disciples, there's this common thread that they are all described as watching from a distance and they're scared and they don't understand what God is doing. They're walking through a situation in their life like many of you may be here right now and your perspective is really jaded by your present reality. And God may be trying to say to you today, would you just change your view a little bit and come up from without and see things the way I see because I'm still on the throne and I have a plan for your life. I have plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you hope and a future. And the same God that said that through Jeremiah the prophet is the same one that is saying to Peter right now, saying, hey, don't watch from a distance, Peter. I've got you. I'll be upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church. It's the same Peter. It's the same one. And yet I'm watching it as at a distance. Do you see what I see? Scripture says the only disciple that was close to the cross was actually John. The, the disciple, the Bible says the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, and many scholars would say that that was because of an age thing, that, that he was young enough to, to not be as fearful of his life as some of the older disciples. But for whatever reason, we see that the disciples from their perspective saw the cross and they followed at a distance. Well, how about the religious leaders and Pilate? The story, even though we become familiar with it sometimes, I think it's good for us to walk through and read and see what exactly happened and put ourselves in these different situations and ask, God, how does this group of people possibly see what was happening in this story? John's Gospel, chapter 19, it says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. 
It's not as cute as the little musical and play that sometimes in churches or kids' church that we portray. This was a brutal death and a brutal torture that he was going through. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him in sarcasm and, and mocking him. They said, Hail, King of the Jews. They mocked as they slapped him across the face. And Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. And then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here's the man. And when they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. The game just went up a little bit, right? And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize, can you understand the deception Pilate was under when he says this? Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus finally responds to this one. He says, Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin, speaking of Judas there. But he says to Pilate, you don't have any power over me. Do you see what I see? That my father has, has ordained this moment for me. Do you see, Pilate, what I see? No, of course he didn't. It was an opportunity, though, for us to ask this question. Do we sometimes find ourselves in the same position where we, how do I handle this man named Jesus? You may be in the room today, and you've had different reports and different views and different responses to Jesus, and, and God Almighty is asking you today, how do you see the cross? Do you see what I see? Another group of people that were interesting, and, and boy, there's some, there's some study that you could get into this, and if you walk through this idea of the crucifixion, how did the Roman soldiers see Jesus. And there's a portion of scripture in this story that when I was reading through this, just preparing, and obviously there's, there's so many different angles and we could talk about, about Mary and, and all the different views of the, of the cross. And, and yet when I see the Roman soldiers in one particular verse here in the passage, it just, for me, it is a great, um, uh, illustration of the moment that things shifted from tragedy and despair, and, and we're going to clean the earth of this hoax, this sham of a man that says he is what he's not, and it's, it all, we're going to get rid of the followers in this way that have been, we're going to get rid of, and there's something that shifts when we put ourselves in the perspective of the Roman soldiers in this story. In Luke's gospel, chapter 23, it says, by this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock and the light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last and here it is. And when the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw, and I believe you could say, and heard what had happened, he worshiped God. Don't miss this. Do you understand what the Bible is saying to us? The very people that were responsible for the implementation of this brutality on Jesus, the very group of people that did this, something happened when they saw and heard Jesus. Father, into your hands I entrust, I give you my spirit, I commit my spirit. Something happened and he worshiped God and said, surely 
this man was innocent. There had to be something in the voice of my Savior that he heard a forgiveness. He heard a love. He heard someone that had gone through such brutality. And yet even in that moment, there was this, this compassion, this grace when, when he saw what had happened to this man, that he was responsible for doing that too. When he heard the empathy, the, the forgiveness in his voice, something shifted. Surely this man was innocent. When all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. And yet, Jesus' friends, including the women who had all followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching. Do you see what I see? Do you see what God was doing? From whatever perspective we see the cross determines our response to it. In this moment where we see this group of women that were watching, these are women that, that included this one woman named Mary Magdalene. Her story is pretty significant because I believe that many of us and many of you that are, that are hearing and you've heard the story of the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, you understand that we are all trophies of the grace that was represented on that cross. I don't care what the particulars of your story are and in, in, in how that you have come to serving Jesus. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I don't care what your story is, myself included, I'm a trophy of God's grace. It doesn't mean I'm anything significant, but because of Jesus, the price that he paid, I have, have security, I have faith, I have, have victory, I have an overcoming spirit that he has provided for me. Mary Magdalene was just such a person. The Bible says that she was someone that had seven spirits cast out of her, that she had followed Jesus on this journey. And through the end part of this, this, this story of his life, there was, there's some specificity that the word says that it, that it shows Mary Magdalene being very, very close to what had taken place here. The Bible says in John chapter 19, standing near the cross where Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary, Mary Magdalene. She was there. She was close. I could imagine she could see the expression on our Lord's face. I could imagine she could hear some of the, the sounds of anguish and agony. I could imagine the experience for her and these other women were, were quite a bit different than Peter and the other disciples watching from a distance. Do you see what they see? And early on Sunday morning, how many of you are glad for Sunday morning, right? The story doesn't end. Today is the day that we celebrate this part of the story. It says early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. She was the one who came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Can you put yourself in her position? She has been delivered from this incredible story. This man who delivered her has just died on the cross, walking to the tomb. She's prepared to anoint him for burial and all the customs of that. Can you imagine the feeling in her? spirit when she comes to this place and finds that the stone has been rolled away. I promise you she wasn't sitting on her hands and just saying, wow, this is just a normal everyday Sunday. No, there was something stirring within her that understood this is something's gone awry. This is different. This is not the story that I thought was happening. I heard him say the temple would be torn down and rebuilt, but I thought he was talking about the temple and now something is changing and the story begins to shift and she turns to leave and she sees someone standing there. You're not getting it. You've heard this story. Can you understand? Here's a woman who has, has gone through so much and, and she's seen the person that has brought her hope and solution die on a cross and he's gone and she doesn't have hope. And all of a sudden she finds herself in this moment and she probably responds the same way. We, she didn't recognize him. She, she has no idea what's going on. It was Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. Dear woman, I want you to understand that this is Jesus, the risen savior talking to her and she doesn't understand him yet. Dear woman, why are you crying? 
Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? I love Jesus's questions, don't you? Sometimes I'm like, come on, Jesus. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. So in the end of this conversation, we see, she says, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go and get him. He's stolen his body. The gardener's stolen the body of Jesus. And then he says this word, and I want you to sit right here for a second and understand that when the Savior, when God, the Almighty, the creator of the universe calls your name, it all changes. And for those of you that understand it, that should be a shout of praise in this room that he has called our name. And he says, Mary. And he said, Mary. I have to imagine that when those demons were cast out of her, that she heard that voice when, when she was following and serving him and, 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 and taking care of him as they journeyed up, he would say, Mary, thank you. He'd say, Mary, I pre- you're so uh, an honor. And then this moment, she heard her name once again. And it wasn't from the, the man that she was following on the road. It was from a risen man, the Savior. It was the same man, yes, but he had gone through an incredible journey. And all of a sudden, she realized that things have now changed. Our depression, our, our, our sorrow, our, our grief over our, our dead Lord and Savior on the cross. He's not dead. He's standing right in front of me, calling my name. And she turns to him and cries out, Rabboni, it was just Hebrew, he said, teacher. It was the word she must have called him all this, this journey. And something changed. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer for some of you in this room that that may find yourself in the same place that Mary was in. And it may not be my voice and you may not hear an audible voice, but I just know that the spirit of God draws people to a moment where you connect with this same risen gardener, right? The same savior that was crucified on a cross. And the Bible says that the same spirit can dwell within us and it can, it can speak to us. And that seems kind of like real foreign subject until it happens to you, until you hear Mary, until you hear your name called. And there's a spiritual thing that takes place when God draws you to that place where you can respond and recognize that you're seeing things the way maybe she saw them. We're going to have a time of prayer around the, the, the front here today, and I'm going to ask you a very bold and simple question, and that's simply this. Would you respond and would you allow this same risen Savior to begin a relationship with you? The Bible says that everybody's sinned and fallen short of his glory and that that the wages of that sin, the penalty is death, but we don't have to pay it. He's already paid it. He paid it on the cross once and for all. It's over. It's over. It's over. And because he has risen, the view of the cross is different for us because just like Mary and these disciples, we have the view from inside an empty tomb that he's not there and he's drawing you and he's saying, Mary, why don't you come? It changes everything. How did God see the cross? It would be foolish for me to try to put into words the answer to that question, right? To understand how God saw what was taking place But I do believe that he's given us a pretty clear understanding of how he planned it out from the very beginning. That what had taken place and had happened to his son, it wasn't a surprise to him. He knew that his son would have to go through an incredible pain so that his sons and daughters could be restored in relationship with him. God's a just God. And there had to be a price paid for that sin. There had to be uh, integrity in, in, in his, his justness. But there had to be a price paid, and he allowed his son to be paid that price. I don't understand how God felt in that. But I do understand as an earthly father sometimes that our ways as, as moms and dads, they are, are different than our kids, right? We understand that dynamic. I remember as a... As, as, as a dad, I'm still a dad, but when our kids were younger, that's three of the most amazing kiddos in the world. But I remember when my son was young and 
and, and just kind of infant. There was a, a moment we had some surgeries and different things going on in his life. And, and I remember just even the, the normal, like the immunizations and all that they had to go through. Something was different when I held my son. When I held my son in my arms in that, that doctor's office and and I don't know if I thought it at that moment, but I know that I could put myself back in that moment, understanding and, and remembering the, the feel. And I can tell you right now that it would have been foolishness for me to say to that little child, your father, who you love and you recognize and you trust, I'm going to restrain you and I'm going to hold you forcefully here in my arms and this other person is going to walk into the room you've never seen before. He's dressed in a white coat. And I am, as your dad, am going to hold you down and let this person stick a needle into your leg that's 16 miles long, right? You know, perspective. And I'm going to let him hurt you tremendously because I love you. There is no way on the world, in the world that I could explain to him the biology of the immunizations and the reason why this is for his own good. I got to imagine that Jesus on the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Completely not even close, Chandler, in my arms. But I have to understand that there's this moment of trust that even the son had to say, God, your ways are higher than, our, than my ways. And, and even though I'm fully God and fully man, we, we see, God, uh, see Jesus in the garden and said, you know, Father, if this cup could pass from me, but your will be done. And there's hope in that for us to say that even though you may find yourself in a situation where you feel like God's holding you here, letting bad things happen to you, God, why aren't you rescuing me from this situation? Why aren't you taking me out of this and, and, and allowing me to have your healing now? Why aren't you, why, God, why? And so many times we're that little infant in God's arms and he's saying, there's no way I could get you to understand. But I just wish you could see what I see because I see the end. I see the empty tomb. I see the victory in this. In fact, God's plan we see in the book of Acts and in Peter, the same Peter that was just walked through all these challenges. There was something that happened after this, the same spirit got inside of Peter. Peter stands up and he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen do you see what he sees? God knew what was going to happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. And with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him. to Remember, he's talking to the leaders who just a while back had crucified him. He's calling them out. He says, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Do you understand what Peter is saying? This was God's plan. He was saying to them, do you see what God sees? Do you understand his perspective was different? Luke's gospel tells us the plan that God had was played out. It said very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. God, through his perspective, sending his messengers, his angels, his voice to tell them what he was seeing. He said, the, the Bible says, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive. I love just the common sense approach. Why are you looking here for someone who is alive? And he, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you. Remember, see things the way God wants you to see him. This was all part of the plan. What he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. And they remembered, then they remembered that he had said this 
So they rushed back from their tomb, from the tomb, to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It goes on to say in the story of Acts that during the forty days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Do you see what God sees in this? Do you see things from the perspective of the other side, the empty tomb? And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. A little plug for where we're heading next. The book of Acts talks about all of this, this next season of where Jesus took them. Even right after this in, the, in, in Luke's gospel, there was two men walking away and Jesus walks alongside them on the road and this road to Emmaus story happens. I think, we're, I think God's leading us there next week to preach that story a little bit. It's gonna be, be, be amazing to see how the risen Savior still does life together with them and and prepares them for the launch of the church. Do you see what God sees in all this? The, the, The cross was not it. It wasn't the end of the story. It was the purchase. It was the significance, but the empty tomb built upon the cross. And then Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you, but I send another one to come and I'll send the spirit. And it's the rest of the story. And he says, this story is still living. It's still alive. It's still in you. It's still the way he wants to fulfill his plan in yours and my life. So how do we see what God sees. There's a verse in, in, the, in Romans that it challenges me every time I see this. The worship team's gonna help me come and close today. And like I said, we're gonna have a time of prayer in just a minute. But, but before we get there, a few more verses just to seal what God's doing. Do you see what God's... This is not a historical event that we can look at the cross and just say, wow, that was an amazing thing that God did then and there. The story doesn't end. See, the writer in the the book of Romans, it says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in you. This is, it's not over. It's not a sit back and watch what God is doing. It's not a moment for us to say, wow, that was an amazing story. Wow, he did some really cool things through Jesus. And that's it. This is not a spectator endeavor. This is not something that we have the right or the privilege of just sitting back and watching and looking from an information type thing. This is us saying, you know what? We believe the entirety of the word of God and this was written to the church. And he said, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. Do not be afraid of saying, I am a spirit-filled, a spirit-led person, because the Bible says that if you follow the risen Savior Jesus, that same spirit is living within you. And yes, it purchases forgiveness. Yes, it means the salvation for our sins. And that is the most important thing. But we also understand that God says with that spirit, he wants you to have abundant life, not just eternal life for, for some future that we can't see in heaven, but here, abundant life. And it's a life that said, I am a kingdom builder. I am a kingdom builder at home, at work. I am a kingdom builder wherever I go. I am furthering this kingdom because that, that man, Jesus, he's not still on the cross. He's not in the tomb. He's alive, making intercession for us every day at the right hand of the father. And that same spirit that put him there is in me. And because of that, I have the victory. I have the joy. I have the freedom to walk in that. And we are his. How do you see the cross? How do you see the empty tomb? It's all part of God's plan. It starts all the way back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah. He spoke of this moment. And I want to read this. It's a pretty lengthy passage of scripture. And the reason why is because when we come to this moment of prayer, even at the conclusion of our time today, in just a minute, I'm going to ask for any of you that would, would love to begin your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make a, present a question to you that may seem, wow, that's bold, Pastor John. 
Well, the truth of it is, is here's a man that was stripped of everything. He was beaten. He was, he was hung on a cross. And he died for you. I just am bold enough to say, you know what? I'm going to ask you to respond to that level of boldness with walking to the front of a, an air-conditioned, comfortable room to meet a friend. It's not going to whip you and scourge you, right? But we're going to pray with you and say, welcome home. This is an exciting time. And we're going to pray together with you. It's going to be awesome. But the truth of it is, is that moment of, of death on that cross, the Bible says it didn't just purchase our forgiveness, it purchased our healing. That there was, there was, there was, there was this reconciliation, yes, but God said, I don't, I want you to have abundant life. Jesus said it later on. He said that I've come, that the, you know, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said it this way, said he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. It's for us. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. That's why I have no problem saying, hey, let's, let's walk together in this journey with faith. It's not an embarrassment thing. It's a recognition that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And as other astray sheep that have been found by the shepherd, we would love to partner to get together with some of you sheep that have yet to come back home and say, welcome home. Let's follow the shepherd together. This is an exciting time for us. It's not a, a time of, oh, you're some different than I. No, no, no. We all, like sheep, have strayed away. We've all left God paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. We read that earlier, unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Do you understand what that means? It was like this kingdom that, that no one cared. And they thought his kingdom was ending there with him. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> we're sitting here today. We are his descendants. We are proof of this prophecy that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan holding the baby. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. He saw something different. Yet when his life is made as an offering for sin, he'll have many descendants. You and I. He'll enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his sands. How do you see the cross? It looks a lot different standing in an empty tomb. And I'm here to tell you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, there is an opportunity for that same spirit to dwell in you. And to quicken, one version of God's word says, to quicken your mortal bodies, to come alive within you. It's not just the words of a, a song that we sing. It's biblical truth to say this same spirit, come alive. Wake, O oh sleeper. Don't be satisfied with the tomb, the cross. There's an empty tomb. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a moment, not of grief, not of, def, uh, of desperation, but of victory that was purchased in that, that process that same spirit dwells in you. The cross can look different from different perspectives, but those all change when standing in an empty tomb. And through Jesus, we have eternal life and abundant life. Would you stand with me all across this room? Thank you, Jesus. 
you bow your heads with me and we're going to say a, a concluding prayer and I'm going to ask for a response. And as we're praying with that, those prayer team members, friends of ours and leaders here in the church, would you begin to make your way to the front and just uh, stand here with me? Let's pray together. Father, I love you and I thank you so much. God, your word is true. And God, your word says that, that where it is, is presented, it will not return void. And God, that means that your word is more powerful than any statement or thought than myself or anybody here. It's your word. God, your word says that, that we all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But God, because of your son's death on the cross and, and, and being risen from the grave, we have access God, your story, it tells us that that temple veil was torn in two. And that's symbolic that we can come into your throne room. And God, we thank you for that. God, I pray for my friends in this room today and those that may be joining with us online. I just, I pray that your Holy Spirit would would just be there with them in a a very uh, tangible way that that God, you would, you would touch them wherever they're sitting in their living room or, or in their office or watching in the car or in a vacation. God, touch them today speak to them. We thank you for it. So today, Easter Sunday is about understanding that the the Savior is risen. And it would be our honor today on this day to just be that, that, that conduit, that connection point to introduce you and pray with you with this risen Savior, Jesus. And if you're here today, I, I kind of prepped you earlier for this, and I just want you to know that, that we walk together with you. And if, you've, if you're here with somebody and you say, man, I don't want to you know, go down there for prayer by myself, grab the person you came with and say, hey, walk with me. That's awesome. Early service, several people did that as well. That's just a really cool description of the body of Christ going together, right? And I'm, I'm just going to ask you a really bold question today. If you're here in this room and you would say, I would love to make that decision. I, I recognize that my life is not quite where it needs to be right now. But today, Easter Sunday, 2022, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, follow this risen Savior that you talked about. I, I recognize my need for a Savior. Would you be so bold as to allow us to celebrate with you and just make a, a step of faith to say, I'm going to walk out of my seat. I'm going to come down and find a friend here at the front, bring somebody with you. That's fine. And would you let us just pray together with you right now, as I'm talking, would you just come forward all over this room? If that's you in this room, this room, don't be afraid to be the first one that comes. Cause I promise you, you won't be the last because God has prepared our hearts for this moment. And I believe there's a harvest of people. I'm, I'm saying that in faith, even in the early service, we were, we were having this conversation and, and, and people just began to step and had to just be that first one. If that's you in this place, would you let us pray together and let, and join me here at the, the big, at the front. I'm going to wait just for a few more seconds, just to allow you the opportunity to respond because I believe that God is giving this moment for us to respond to this risen savior. Somebody be the next. Somebody be the next. Anyone in this room, you say, Pastor John, we're supposed to, to close our eyes. No, no, no. I, we could close our eyes, bow our heads, all that stuff. I get it. It's no bit, but we want to partner together with you in this moment. Anybody else today that would say, you know what? Today's the day that I just want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. If you're joining with us online and you're making that commitment, there's a way for you to commit as well or connect with us, our online hosts as well. In fact, our online hosts are, are sitting in this room today and they're, they're, they're uh, navigating online with you and, and we just want to connect with you as well with that time. I'm going to invite you if you are in this place and you say, you know what? I just would love to pray together. There's a thing, there's, a, there's an issue in my life that, that I just need a family member to pray together with me and you would just love that connection point in prayer. We're here We'd love to pray together with you as well. And we're going to sing a closing song. And we just love to, to connect with you and pray together. That scripture in Isaiah is true. That, that, that sacrifice on the cross, he purchased our healing as well. And we can be that connection point in prayer with you as well. So Father, right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would draw us to you this week. And even in these next few minutes and hours, Holy Spirit, I'm... I'm aware and God, I just in my spirit, I just, I understand that, that there may be some of us that have, have not responded today to your spirit because of just our emotions or, or some, some feelings of just, I don't want people looking at whatever, 
God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to grab a friend, to grab one of these leaders after our time together and, and pray together with them. God, I pray that you would have testimonies of your spirit connecting with people throughout the rest of the day and our, our time at home and at dinner time. God, help us. God, I pray even right now for those men and women that are followers of you in this room that are feeling led by the spirit. I just, I release your spirit to guide us to, 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 to search out and to find and to be led of the spirit, those that we know that you're telling us to go pray for. God, help us to be led by you. God, your word says that the same spirit that dwells, that, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And God, I'm grateful for that. God, we celebrate. We celebrate that at the cross, we can see things the way you see things. And everything changes from inside of the empty tomb. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.